0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Mercedes-Benz 230e Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. 230e? That doesn't sound like one of the current ways that Mercedes are naming their vehicles, Alan. Do tell more.
0: No, it isn't. It's about four generations of Mercedes vehicle naming ago. Okay. It's probably two generations of Mercedes vehicle naming ago, to be perfectly honest. So, yes, uh, we're staying bang up to date on this one. I've been very good at not talking about the W124-230E <laughs> that I bought some time ago. That we thought we'd sort of save it all up and give you guys a special edition. That's what this is, everyone. This is completely useless from a any kind of consumer advice point of view.
1: Well, not necessarily, but it is a bit self-centered, which we haven't done for a while. No, we're not very good at being self-centered. Go on then. Why did you buy... An H-Reg Mercedes.
0: Because <laughs> I've always really liked them. Okay. So, there you go. There we go. The end of our <laughs> Thank you. Between now and next time, you can get in touch with <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, I have always liked them. My <laughs> – this is so silly. This is really self-sent. When, when I was at, at school for a few summers, I went on French exchange to a family in Bourges, in central France and annie and danielle had a i think theirs was a 230 as well it may have been a 320 i think it was a 230 and i liked it there was a lot to be said for it there was some just some things about it that were really nice there was some things about it that were pretty awful too but we'll come to some of those well there were generally three of us in the back seat which was challenge number one if you ever wonder why i i don't like sitting in the middle back seat of a car it's one of the reasons I, and I liked them. I, I thought they looked fantastic. I just like the way they look. And of course, tramping around Europe, I've been in many others, which have been taxis, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> and I just liked them. They've always been there at the back of my mind as like the second favorite car from the 1980s after the E30 BMW 3 Series.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that was that and then a few things came together that kind of meant this happened okay uh one of them was boredom (laughs) because 2020 yes and the the other two were and and finally that we did i think back in may about a japanese company called arrows Mm -hmm. who are a w124 specialist anyway but they started remanufacturing some back to absolute early 80s spec standard you could get a 230 a 320 or a 350 i think and there will be linked to to their website which is in japanese but hey if you're using chrome then you can translate it on the fly um and also to the the drive story that precipitated the spian finally in the first place mm. And I just remember looking at those and thinking, that is really, really cool. And on top of that, Chris Pollitt had bought one for 100 quid for Car and Classic and did a video, did a lot of work on it. A load of stuff. Uh, Rich Brunning and um, Rich, forgotten his surname, Joe Hallenbeck off Twitter. Mm-hmm. They were involved, and, and some other folk in, in a video bringing that one back from basically ready for the scrapper. And yeah, and then Chris kept hold of it once it got MOT'd and it had loads of work done. And earlier this year, he, he was sharing pictures of it. And I chucked him a DM and said, if you're ever selling that, can I have first dibs if nobody else has asked for it yet? And <laughs> fast forward <laughs> till October, <laughs> November. And Chris was like, I think I'm going to sell the the, the w four it's not it wasn't getting the hits it, it just doesn't seem to have got the the momentum and i think i've been offered something else i'd quite like to do that instead because i think it will get more content stuff mm. i was like oh, all right then so we did the whole polite thing about yes i would uh, delighted to and desperately try not to to talk money because we're both british and we're both <laughs> like that but essentially uh after chris had, had sent me a huge long list of faults masses of faults almost nothing but faults uh then 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 that didn't put me off enough <laughs> as he i think started to regret the idea and yeah yeah we we agreed on a price and, and and that was that sight unseen other than of course car and classic articles and and this video of it with like holes in the trim and not passing its mot and all sorts of other terrible things so it was that and that and the fact that it is certainly aesthetically i mean aesthetically if you look past the fact it's 29 years old uh, and the ravages that have chewed at it in the meantime i absolutely adore the color scheme and it's just the right spec from that point of view it is absolutely how i feel late 80s early 90s very early 90s mercedes should be i think it's peak mercedes-benz I think it's, it's i mean it's all those terrible tropes that everyone talks about it's hewn from solid it's yep. you know it's sparse it's it but the quality and yep. blah, blah, blah blah you know you know it you can all recite it in your heads and it's all of that really so that's how i ended up with it <laughs> and now it's sitting outside with a flattish tire and a slow puncture and it still looks great even sitting on my drive Just happy with it uh so yeah that that was it really as as far as the right spec, I mean, I've kind of said it was the right spec, but I haven't really told you what that spec was. So it's the quite unusual Bornite metallic uh, on the outside, which is a kind of amethyst purpley color. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, metallic ish uh, on the outside. With the cream beige mushroom interior cloth. And I'll talk a bit more about that and why that's important when we get to the interior. Uh, It's also before the second facelift Mm. that that model had. Before the one that makes it all curvy and looking like a C-class and just dilutes it. Mm. Uh, In my mind, it dilutes it a lot uh, because it loses the character which is so important to me i just feel that was the start of the blandification of mercedes-benz yes moving into why we can't get mercedes-benz passenger cars reason number 17
1: (laughs) i can think of a couple of other reasons higher up than that but i won't
0: (laughs) so this is the 230e that means it has a 2.3 liter four-cylinder petrol engine with Semi-electronic fuel injection. It still has a carburetor, mm-hmm. but it has no catalytic converter in this case. So it puts out a preposterous 136 PS <laughs> metric horsepower <laughs> from two from 2.3 litres, which just seems crazy now. I would have preferred a straight six. I would have preferred a 320, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and I would have been an absolute fool to have turned this down. Absolutely, I think.
1: So. I I agree with you. <laughs>
0: Uh, particularly when given sort of mates rates and good future owner discount, it costs me just about a K. It's a little bit less than okay. a grand, which I still feel was a lot of, lot of car for the money. Yeah. That was kind of what I had. And that was, that, that was what we came to. Well, no, it it, it was <laughs> it's this much. Can it, it works better in my mind if it's three figures, <laughs> like, <laughs> What about this much? It's like, yeah, that'll do. Which was almost four. So yeah, <laughs> it was one of those. Alone, by the way, W one two four is the uh, sort of model designation, internal model designation. W means it was a, a saloon. If it's an S one two four, it's a it's an estate. And I can't remember what the codes for coupe and convertible were off the, the top of my head. It's essentially which project number it was. So I think they're on. It was replaced by the. 201, and then 211 has come along somewhere along the lines, but I can't remember if that's actually an, uh, an E-Class and all these things. So I've, I've kind of lost track of where they are with those now. But W124 is a way of defining what generation of car and what size at that time. Uh, as a generation, it was built from November 1984 through to July 1997. When cars were
1: <laughs> not only built to last but the models were designed to be there for a long time, long, long being time. built. Well, that was
0: it was it was up to August nineteen ninety five for the saloon, so that's still eleven years. Yeah, in that time, it had two faces: a very minor one, which mine is after, and a slightly more major one, which obviously mine is before. They built them all around the world. Uh, as well as germany uh they built them in amongst other countries uh you know as germany as poland and then india mexico south africa and indonesia as well so really was a global global car right from a time before people were making a big deal about we're going to launch one car for the whole world and you say look at it you go, well mercedes have been doing that for quite a long time Mm. uh to be perfectly honest all in all they built just over two and a half million wow
1: Considering what it is...
0: Well, the thing is, it's just about everything, really.
1: Well, yeah, but it's Mercedes of that era that was quite an aspirational vehicle.
0: Yeah, Mercedes always amazed me. Sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent now. Uh, Mercedes always amazed me in their ability to sell everything from vans to, to limousines and trucks, and at one point tractors, all under the same brand. And no one blinks an eye. And you don't blink an eye about it. It's a Mercedes, okay. You don't bother the fact that that the second most popular van on the road in the UK, you know, new van by registration in the UK is a sprinter. Mm. That doesn't in any way, shape or form dull the desirability of the E class and the S class. No. And it has been that way since the dawn of time, almost. Well pretty much well, since the dawn of motoring anyway.
1: Yeah, how they've pulled that trick off is is an amazing feat, and everybody else is desperate to do it.
0: Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. It really is. And because we then, hear know, the
1: conversations, don't we? We hear the conversations where someone says, oh, how much for insert brand of mm-hmm. choice, and go, how much for, for me to pay for that? No, I couldn't do that. Yet, you'll happily look at a Mercedes, which can be from, you know, down the bottom, particularly with the first A-Class that came out, price-wise, mm-hmm. all the way up to the... S class and then the AMGs and all that stuff is just, yeah, it's brilliant. But you are aspirational
0: whilst making tractors. Yes, is 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 one you know you are the same badge everywhere. It's it's one heck of an achievement, and I I don't think it's talked about enough, to be honest. But even the W one two four, he says, dragging us back onto topic, is the same you know an e5 five, uh 500 e or an e500 with a five liter va or an amg i can't remember what it was at that point it was a 60 there was a six liter version anyway uh as well was you know driven by princes hmm. and yet the same body shell give or take some flared arches maybe not built by porsche you know it was around in 200 or 220 d form Took you a
1: week to get from 0 to 60.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 With turbos? Probably. No,
1: we don't need that.
0: <laughs> you know, but that's that's like, that. there'll be a rank of them sitting outside the station. Mm. In North Africa, they are ubiquitous, almost as popular as Peugeot's. <laughs> and yet still it's desirable. It's all these things, and it's fantastic. You, and this is one of the reasons I've liked them, I think, is, you know, without doing too much self-analysis, is the fact that, they are very much all the types of car you could ever want or need in one. That's no small, no small achievement.
1: No, no, it is. It is a. It is an incredibly interesting, uh, an interesting well brand, particularly at the time, but an interesting model to, in which to analyse from that point of view.
0: If only you know somebody somewhere. If somebody somewhere was doing a uh, some sort of doctorate in vehicular sociology yeah if only we knew someone well yeah that's slightly different but yeah (laughs) um but you know vehicular sociology then the e-class especially this generation uh, but even so even so even still now is a fantastic it's just something you it's just a fantastic example of what you should should look at yeah from w124 on w123 was always a bit patrician no not patrician that's not the word i want to use but it's um it was always a bit staid and a bit safe hmm. whereas the the 124 it just uh, partly i guess because such a long life you know when i was small this always seemed like quite a large car as far as i was concerned it's now closer in size to the c-class
2: hmm.
0: quite significantly closer in size to the c-class it's a it's a centimeter and a bit lower. It's quite a bit narrower and it's only seven centimeters longer than the current generation C class compared to a current generation E class. It's over 10 centimeters smaller in every dimension apart from height where it's almost four centimeters smaller. That's width. That's everything. Yeah. It's quite crazy. Just, just how much there's 17 centimeters shorter than the current E class.
1: Yeah. Okay. Then you've hinted on it. Right? What's the exterior then?
0: It is traditional three-box saloon, really. About as traditional as you you can imagine. It's quite a pure design. It is. It very much is, and that's one of the things that really attracts me to it. Just before we move on to that, though, one of the things that it's worth mentioning, just after saying it's all these things for all these people it's worth mentioning it was one of the very few vehicles i can think of in fact i can't think of any others which were available in two four five and six door formats as well as a chassis cab from the factory <laughs> which just again slightly crazy really from one vehicle yeah uh, but yeah the the looks and stuff incredibly i mean they were originally penned by uh, joseph Gallitzendorfer and peter Pfeiffer who did not pick pecks of pickled pepper. But, of course, the person who, who gets the credit pretty much always for the design of Mercedes around this era is a chap called Bruno Sacco, uh, who's chief designer at Mercedes for quite a while uh, from memory. Because, after as I said, this is after the first of the two facelifts. It has what are called Sacco planks along the side. <laughs> So this one doesn't have the plastic sort of thin plastic or rubber sort of rubbing strips along the side of the side doors. It actually has far more solid sort of cladding which mm. goes from from the point where those rub strips were right the way down to to the ground. So yes, I have inadvertently bought another vehicle with plastic cladding because we <laughs> love that on the motoring podcast. <laughs> this one also has the 12-hole sportline alloys which uh chris fitted um it had the eight hole before please don't ask me why you count the holes and not the spokes on mercedes alloys but it just seems to be the way it's done so we'll continue with that i am considering taking the alloys off because i'm a little bit crazy and replacing them with steel wheels and the sort of taxi speed Beck sort of disc plastic hubcaps.
1: I think that'd be a mistake. I think you've got the the correct alloys on at the moment.
0: You think I've got the correct? Okay. You see, this is there's a lot of hand wringing going on over this. It does need the right size of tire, though. Yes.
1: After my dad owned one for over 20 years with exactly those yeah. wheels, it, it is as far as I'm concerned. You go anywhere else, it's wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd like the purity of the sort of of the aero the aero disc uh, hubcaps. My dad had a one ninety E which had those hubcaps on. So that's that's kinda why okay. I'm a little bit which I, I still like. And Annie and Danielle's one had those too and it was it was designed spec because it was the silver. We fit the fit the winter tires on those with that. Yeah, well I'd need to buy the wheels first and they're actually really hard to come by. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean I've got the i I've got the hubcaps already. But naturally.
1: if anybody knows of whereabouts of <laughs> Normal if wheels. has four of those, yeah. Please do get in touch with Alan. Uh, contact details will be at the end of the show.
0: <laughs> A whopping 15 inch, uh, same with the alloys, 15 inch alloy wheels. Yeah. We recorded another special edition of an A segment hatch, which you'll have heard by now, which comes with 16s as standard. <laughs> crazy, crazy, <laughs> craziness. But comfort, Alan, comfort. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, we'll but we'll yes. get to that. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> lots of details lots of really clever things on the on the outside of of one of these um stuff like the asymmetric wing mirrors so the passenger side wing mirror is square the driver's side is, is incredibly small but rectangular so that you know one is better for for the height so that you can more easily judge when you're reverse parking the other one gives you a wider field of view to make sure nobody is coming up to fly past you on the autobahn and the fact that they change that for left and right hand drive again is just it's a little bit bat poo to be perfectly honest
1: but well, it wouldn't be done today because an accountant oh, no, would get hold of a spreadsheet today. and go hang on we can save 50p per car by not doing that and when you're selling millions that makes a lot of difference
0: again one of the other appeals of this car is the fact that there is practically nothing on this car that isn't over-engineered mm. to a ridiculous extent uh, it, sorry it's not in the notes i'm going off topic again but the light and buzzer that comes on to tell you that a light bulb isn't working on the dash which is generally brighter than the bulb that is out in the first place because <laughs> one of the indicators you know it was doing the tick 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 so there's a bulb's gone and the relay's going quicker so i, I pulled up outside Halfords on my way home I thought, oh, gee, was okay, right. Hmm. Now we have to run the gauntlet of only a car that's too old for the Halford selectors. <laughs> and so I went and I, I thought, oh, okay, I better take the bulb in with me. So this means I've got to grapple with the rear light cluster because I'm used to modern cars. Mm-hmm. New, there's a twist thing. And the whole inside of the cluster comes off <laughs> into the palm of your hand with all the bulbs laid out. And you can... Just twist them and lift them out because you know which one it is because that's the position it is in the rear light.
1: To be fair to Mercedes, even the Mark One A Class virtually did that. Really? Yes, because okay. that's it's such a rare nowadays. Not a thing that manufacturers do anymore. But no. it, it, they were still doing it far longer than other companies were.
0: But, well, I lifted it out and discovered that it was really actually the bulb was fine. It had just unseated itself magically because that's what happens in old cars so i put it in secured it yeah i know you know it's one of those things where you look at the bulb as you walk into the shop and think that looks all right i'm not sure about this and went back tried it in tried the indicators and it all worked and just put it back in turned the little twisty thing and it was back in it's just like this doesn't happen with modern cars this is fantastic
1: yes we don't want you to touch your own car you must bring no. it to us <laughs>
0: But speaking of the rear lights, actually, so sort of one of the cool things of Mercedes of that era is they've all got that sort of slatted rear light. Definitely, well, saloons do anyway. Yeah. The reason for that is because it means it, there's kind of three sides to each of those slats, and it's actually impossible for all three sides of each of the slat to get completely gunked up, unless something terrible has happened, to get gunked up. Uh, and so that means that any sort of dirt thrown up from the road won't block your bulbs. Yeah. So there'll always be a clean part on your light so that when you put on your indicator, it won't be blocked. When you put your brake lights on, it won't be blocked, stuff like that. Just really clever, neat stuff like that, which, you know, former product designer, I absolutely adore.
1: But wasn't, uh, whilst it involved some technology to create, wasn't about let's make a thing that keeps it clean. It was, no, we will get the thing to keep itself clean. Yeah. Yeah. Which absolutely. I love.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's being kept clean. Stuff like the with the single windscreen wiper. Oh. Supposedly, it's a nightmare if it breaks. I mean, the single windscreen wiper is a work of art. What a wonderful!
1: It's just it's so good. Yeah, that should be in a museum somewhere. Just you mm. know, like a mechanical engineering museum, and just have that running, and just let people see time. how that this was on a car that
0: you could walk into a showroom and buy. Anyone? I know it's still like something <laughs> off a concept car.
1: Yes. and it's not like it was a a, you know half a million pound car
0: (laughs) no oh and you could get it was on the 190e as well it's on the you know the next level down the range period fantastic so front mass you know front single front and i'd forgotten about that until i went to squirt my headlines once i'd find squirt my windscreen once i finally discovered you hit the end of the stalk the one overloaded stalk
1: no it's just perfectly perfectly got everything it just needs
0: (laughs) perfect sense um also the front lights i'm slightly in awe of the headlamps because i guess they have the frontal area of the headlamps and these are bleeding massive as a result you can actually see down the road it's it's fantastic
1: you imagine them today if someone had done that but then had the led halogeny whatever light bulbs in there as well my god you'd be lighting up
0: in like theory, the- I could do that, but I just don't want No,
1: to. It, it doesn't need it because the area is so big.
0: Hmm. Sadly, this is so low enough down the range, by the way, that I don't get headlamp wipers. Oh. Because headlamp wipers would have been good. But what I do get, though, is something which you don't get on any modern Mercedes. And that is the badge on the top of the grille. Like sights. Yes. To a fighter pilot. <laughs> very first car I ever did 100 miles an hour in, it's a statute of limitations in the UK. The very first car I ever did 100 miles an hour in, indicated 100 miles an hour, was a Mercedes C250 turbo diesel, which was manual, which is why I would never entertain a manual Mercedes. And yeah, just that, with the sights down on the seventy four, and it was quite I'm making progress. It was very cool. Again, having a badge on the top of the grill was an important thing here, yep, but overall, despite my terrible my my terrible stories, it's just this classical well proportioned vehicle, and what I think it ma- manages, which is something which which vehicles now don't really manage very well, is being imposing without necessarily being aggressive yes, it's
1: got presence, but it, it yeah. doesn't scare small children
0: no people let you out of side roads people do a slight double take a nod when they see it it seems to be like oh my neighbors have commented on it and says really nice but obviously not looking very very closely because it is it's like joseph's multicolored dream coat and- when you look at the different colors of the body panels, but it is, but people have a positive response to it.
1: They're almost classless cars, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the fact that quite a lot of, you know, Eastern European people were still very much a, you know, a, a very luxury vehicle even at that time, or, or some, uh, then probably helps that locally, but it is still a classy, classless vehicle. Mm. And and as I say, it's one of those ones that people have a positive reaction to. Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool, because I wasn't really sure what it was going to be like from that point of view. I hadn't really thought about it. But everyone is positive about it. Yeah. Okay, then. Interior. Boot's massive. It sticks out. I'm not used to cars with boots that stick out. This is the You're fun. not used to
1: cars with boots? Let's be real. No.
0: <laughs> anyway, the closest i I've ever had before is the Infinity, which was a coupe with a little boot. But yeah, it didn't have a proper boot like this one so it's very strange you know it opens wide it's a regular shape you'd think it had been designed to work as an airport taxi or something <laughs> fit a few suitcases you can fit a few suitcases not just a couple of suitcases it is a few suitcases uh will fit in there similarly the back seat i mean it's two plus three quarter middle passenger has to sit on a slight hump has a transmission tunnel to cope with and as i said flashbacks to to french exchange holidays so. <laughs> what mine has in the back is you know matte pockets uh, there's a reading light and plenty and plenty of foot, knee, and headroom my uh headlining is sagging a little bit so there's a bit less headroom than there should be it's not too bad and i will fix it at some point it's, it's one of the many projects what they don't get though are any vents any usb sockets entertainment system no none of that (laughs) you you do actually get speakers in the rear in the rear the rear shelf and you also get an ashtray in each rear door which i think is a fine sign of the times really (laughs) yes (laughs) one of the things that surprised me about this one by the way is i was expecting it to have the you know the net mat pockets oh yeah yeah which just traditionally mercedes this one doesn't it's post facelift so it actually has fully upholstered cloth ones instead which haven't sagged and the elastic hasn't died and all these kind of things so so it's it's pretty cool the one other thing about this as i said because it's not the purest of pure the 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 upholstery is actually quite soft (laughs) i know it's craziness isn't it is is slightly soft so especially that middle seat and the armrest are in a much sort of softer felt type wool type feeling thing than uh, i'm sure it's never seen a sheep in its life than than the outer the two outer seats so it it is really in this one kind of more angled towards being a four-seater because it's not you know full taxi spec Mm -hmm. Uh, this one also i i think i I mentioned before that it has a mushroom cloth interior sadly it's not like the earlier ones where it would have been that sort of check played you know slightly tartany Mm. uh pattern that that's in it so it's actually more of a sort of zigzag pattern that goes through. It's still really nice. I still like it. It's just not pure classic Mercedes. But it is very light. It is very airy. Uh, and it is very comfortable. It's not the dreaded MB-Tex. <laughs> I don't know if you had to suffer MB-Tex, but I hated it. My parents at one point had a, a W123, so the previous generation, estate. And it had black MB-Tex, which had two, there are only two states that mb can be in, as far as I'm concerned. It's either freezing cold or scorching hot. And when you're about six, it tends to be scorching hot in the back of your wee legs in the summer, and that just is enough to put you off MB-Tex forever, in my case. It's also incredibly slippery. <laughs> and it comes in terrible, terrible colors. <laughs> Uh, one of my uncles had a W two hundred one. They had blue MB Tex interior, and it was just it was just grim. So yeah, I was avoiding all of that. That kind of stuff definitely wouldn't have bought it. The leather that you could get wasn't as bad as the MB Tex, obviously. But real proper luxury is 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 the cloth. I'm in a post leather seats. World it is now. We've come now. to realise it. But We've then, come full circle. but then. Oh, no, then, then this was the this was the cheapy version, yeah. relatively speaking, but still, you know, pretty luxurious. Yeah,
1: that's a, yeah it's a relative term.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's done.
1: Because it's finished This well. car's
0: done 205,000 miles, and there are no tears. There are no rubs. There isn't even a flipping bobble no. forming on the, on the driver's seat. It's incredible, really. Yeah, a tear, nothing even approaching. Anything that could be covered, that and you know, Chris had it valid, professionally done, and the thing's spotless inside. It's, it's quite incredible, it really is. But yeah, just like the fabric, just like all that stuff, the whole thing is completely and totally over-engineered. I mean, even the manual driver's seat. Okay, it, it both it and front passenger seat adjust for for you know forwards and back, and the backrest goes up and down. Then there's height and squab tilt as well mm-hmm. so you can go up but you can then decide how tilted you are at the same time and the other one for me the other day was the fact that, that I, I hadn't worked out how you get the headrests up and down that was driving me crazy I you that then i realized the other week that you you pull out the knob that adjusts the back and that's what puts the headrest up and down okay so you turn the dial on the side of the seat and that makes the headrest go. So finally I could get the headrest in the right place. But the seats are really adjustable. It's just as well, really, because um, because the, the steering wheel isn't in no. this one. Which is, I don't know, it just seems really strange when you get even like, tiny little cars with fully adjustable steering wheels. And the thing is, it's actually really, really easy to find a driving position because you don't have all this adjustment in which you can mess it up. <laughs> yes. Funnily enough, my car has the original massive, you know, might as well have the little handle sticking out of it like something on Notion Liner. Uh, steering wheel. It was the one condition of sale to Chris was that he refitted the original steering wheel because he had an a after- small aftermarket one on it. I was like, nope, you can keep it. I don't want it. I'd like the original one on, please. He was cursing me by the time I, I arrived and his to collect it because he spent all morning just one off, just one spline off. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get it straightened up. But even stuff like the 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 the, the that steering wheel, yeah, I'd say two hundred and five thousand miles. The plastic around the outside, and it's not leather; it is plastic, but it feels as good. You know, it's 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 not leather, but it's something different. But it's the quality is there. Mm. It's barely rubbed. It's barely polished. You know, you see cars with forty thousand miles on with highly polished leather steering wheels, mm. Pachyderm steering wheels. It's hardly touched. As far as controls go, down by my right knee. Are the ones for the, the all the controls for the lights and headlamp leveling. They have the loudest headlamps. Oops, you've left your headlamps claxon. <laughs> it's not even a buzzer; <laughs> it's a claxon uh, that I've ever heard. Of. It never, you know, you finally get used to turn the key off, not press the button. Turn it. Remember to take the key out. other <laughs> the one that I keep forgetting because lazy mojo git. And you open the door and they go earth is that or words to that effect uh, and then realize that the, the headlamps are still on of course right in front of the steering wheel are the three major dials there's the speed the speedo in the middle or the the lack of speed uh, really revs and the analog clock on the right fuel level water temperature and oil pressure on the left i don't have an economy meter because mine was an electronic fuel injection so i don't have a little dial that swings back and forth uh, depending on how hard you're pressing on the throttle then all the warning lights at the row in the bottom uh, including lights for low screen wash which is something which more cars should have and whether or not you have a bulb out which is also quite good again more cars should actually have that because it doesn't just show you the light it buzzes and uh, yeah basically yes basically commands you change the bulb center console fresh air vents at the top and then the next in a row, there's kind of the switches for the heated rear windows, hazards, rear courtesy, lighting, in mind, the rear headrest fault. So you press it, and then there's this kind of slightly pneumatic, well, it's pneumatic, so it's a slight sigh, and then they go, thump, in the back. Below that, there's temperature controls, uh, no aircon in this car. It does have a tilt-and-slide sunroof that actually works, that mm-hmm. just magically started working, and overtided if it stops because it's hundreds of pounds to fix if it's any more than just the switch. No aircon. They're still thermostatic and it's still dual zone and it does what it pleases to keep the ambient temperature uh comfortable. So you do set something approximating a temperature and then it heats up and decides it's had enough heater and lets some colder air in. And just generally struts its funky stuff <laughs> and keeps the place comfortable so far i mean it's, it's winter time obviously so uh, we'll see in the summer but uh but i've driven around a bit on sunny days with the sunroof on tilt and things and it's it's lovely good really chuffed with that as well uh below that there's a stereo there's an ashtray there's the gear selector it's got two modes for the for the automatic it's got e and s e i guess is economy s i guess is sport but if that's sporty then that's the only thing on the car <laughs> um and that you transition those big slider switch Uh and you can tell how often it's been moved from E to S because whenever you do that, all the biscuit crumbs and stuff come out from around it, which is traditional uh with these settings on Mercedes gearboxes, I believe. <laughs> Behind that, controls for all the electric windows laid out kind of logically an electric control for the passenger wing mirror. Driver's one is manual because well it's just there. Why does it need to be electric? Which quite frankly is perfect thinking. For me, I I don't understand why they're always electric. It's probably to do with cost and for both sides. It's worth mentioning that pretty much every other control is crammed into one massive Fisher-Price stalk on the right-hand side.
1: Nonsense. You just don't understand it, Alan. It's, it's, it's perfect. Well, it
0: takes some learning. Once you've done some learning, it makes sense. Um, yes. The challenge, of course, is that you're indicating with your right hand again, and every time you get into every other car, you then indicate with your right hand, because that's more logical than indicating with your left hand. Um. So there is always that sort of switch back and forth. It means you get into the GRM and indicate with your wipers, but I'm used to that because the Veracross used to have it. It's so exactly the same problem with the Veracross. It takes a while to get used to just which way you turn it for wipers and stuff, but it, it it's not that hard. And because it's big and chunky, unlike, say, the Vito Stork, which is little and fiddly, it's easy enough to find the right command, to be honest. Yep. One of the things I do love about this and sitting in the interior of this is, is just sitting in the driver's seat, sprawling out a bit to be perfectly honest and looking down the bonnet at the grill badge and just thinking how bloody lucky i am to have a car like this to sit in uh, (laughs) because it is just so chilled i will eventually finish installing the stereo i now finally have audio out of all the speakers after i blew up the first one thanks to a dicky loom and uh, not in the car by the way the little one that goes between the stereo and the car. So yeah, I will get round to making the electric aerial work and stuff. I've already got a spare aerial. I think I know how to do it. I think it's just the trigger. But we'll we'll suss that one out. One of the things about this car is it doesn't have a lot of equipment. But what equipment it does have is really lovely to use. Mm-hmm. So there's no air con, there's no sound nav. There's no heated seats, there's no electric seats in this one it's all sorts of stuff it just doesn't have but it doesn't matter because what's there is so nicely finished it works with such a nice touch even after 29 years that it's just a flipping delight to be in and a delight to use and i think the thing that strikes me most about the interior not just the fact that this is the first car i've ever owned that has wood dashboard I mean, it might be plywood and a very thin veneer on the end, and it's walnut, not the stripy Zebrano, which is the one to really have in my mind. But, you know, I can live with that. It's how airy it is, how much light gets into the car, especially with this light-coloured interior, light headlining, obviously. And just stuff like the visibility out the back window. The rear-view mirror is massive. Mm -hmm. And it's fine because the rear window also just seems to be massive and it, when you're standing outside it doesn't look it but when you're it's massive and the but it's the full width of the you car you can see out the back it is the full width of the, you're right yes I whereas today
1: it is. It there's pillars yeah for strength the look of things and all the rest of it and we've now got peepholes which is you know part of the reason we've got reversing cameras and yeah. rear traffic sensors is because the visibility is less and less
0: yeah, but this you can actually see at the back of, yeah. and that's before you press the button to remotely drop down those headrests, mm-hmm. which is still a novelty.
1: And it's in such an angle that when it rains, if you're going of a sufficient speed and it doesn't, have, and we're not talking crazy speed, your back window no, is clear. It will
0: clear itself. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's just. It's just cool. There's other. There's lots of other stuff. So you know, you always say that your your, your Saab has the has the loudest central locking, is the noisiest car. Mm. This does similar with the central locking. You turn the key, and everything. It doesn't go gong though. What it does is it goes, as the pneumatics, not the electronics. The pneumatics then make all make them all go around and lock in turn. Including with a slightly tinny clang because it's missing the little bump on inside the, the lid, the, the fuel gap. And it just goes and when you open it, it goes and you can hear it open again. And it's just it's just so cool. It's just like yeah. That's engineering that is. <laughs> uh, when it comes to driving, uh there's not really a lot to say, I guess. Uh it's 136 metric horses. It's somewhere between 11.2 to 13.5 seconds, 0 to 62, depending on spec, which is not wonderfully fast, but it is brisk enough. You know, it moves off the line quickly enough. You can actually reach, it will gather speed. The engine is smooth. It's, you can't really hear it. there have been a couple of times I've turned it on and then had to recheck to make sure the end, you know, look at the rev counter to check if the engine's on. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't even, and it's missing at the minute, if you see, if you ever look at the current classic video, it's, it's, it's basically, they opened the bonnet and all the bonnet liner stuff fell off. So it doesn't have any of that in it and it's still almost silent. Mm-hmm. And yet, there's no catalytic converters, no exhaust. So if you do try and press on a bit, which is pretty pointless, to be perfectly honest, it will make exhausty noises because it's pure exhaust. That's what it is. And it's just and the auto box its four speeds i mean there's like the grand canyon between each of the <laughs> each of the gears the gear shifts but it's smooth there's the occasional clunk if you sort of hesitate on it uh, and watching too much hooves garage has made me a little bit paranoid about the about the, the sort of rubber transmission torque disc things at either end of the prop shaft so i'll probably get beacral to have a little look and just make sure they're okay uh, and the gear mount, because there's no particular vibration. But I just want to check and make sure it's okay for taking it on a long journey. But other than that, it's so smooth. You do have to be careful about what speed you reach, though, because then you come to a corner, <laughs> and it's you know it's it's you, you you sort of helm the recirculating ball steering around it with many turns, lock to lock you just have to give more wheel input than i'm prepared for and move your arms further than i think so you'll be quite happy sitting cruising along like this and then you get to a corner and you go whoa okay right 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 we right, go right. but it doesn't lurch body control isn't terrible it's awfully soft but it means it has ride comfort and i'm not really very used to ride comfort it's quite nice isn't it
1: welcome welcome to the nice side
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm used to actually just being able to go around the corners. is the flip side. Of it, oh, but it, yeah, you
1: and your pickiness!
0: <laughs> I know, but it's it's cracking. It's uh, I really enjoy driving it. It is just chill out drive it There was a there was a lunchtime read and lunchtime watch that we mentioned on on the news show, which was a lady, a psychologist, talking about the importance of of, sort of chill out time in cars and stuff. And this is the epitome of that. Mm. That's what this gives that certainly the GRMN doesn't give, which is actually you can just chill. I mean, the driving back from Bristol, other than the slight worry that I knew it hadn't gone very far for quite a long time and it was new to me and all these kind of things. It was just chilled and relaxed. And I was more relaxed by the time I got home than I was when I left When I left Chris's. Mm. You know, it was just cracking. And you can, you know, it will link together corners. You won't hold up moderns. It, it's great. It's 29 years old.
2: Right,
1: well, on that case then, there must be an absolute shed load of uh, technology.
0: Uh, so I've taken out the most modern technology. <laughs> <laughs> so it came, with a, it came with a a nice CD player with Bluetooth module and, and stuff, and I've taken that out and I've replaced it with a tape deck and CD changer. I will get around to finishing fitting the CD changer, but yeah, on the second attempt, uh, I've got a tape deck that works out of all the speakers. And... Um, thus far i've listened to Banana Rama uh, because the radio doesn't work either because the trigger doesn't go for the, the back the, the the electric aerial the period electric aerial but it's cool I, I figured it needed that i have actually got a bluetooth cassette which i could put in which i can stream music to and stuff should i want but i just figured that it that that was right i i it's an alpine unit it's probably a little too new it's a bit of a sort of on the budget end of the range and I'd much rather have been able to get a decent Blaupunkt which ju- which had R- RDS you see that was my mm. that was my drop but I wanted a really early RDS unit but sadly and uh, ones which you're not sure are going to work Blaupunkt ones are really quite expensive or, or there's lots of newer ones which just look wrong and are far too new for the car Yeah, okay. I particularly wanted one with the sort of amber light- lettering and stuff as well yeah <laughs> Um, because, because sad act, really. The ones you could get for about getting on for two hundred quid is the problem, and that's like a fifth of the cost of the car. Yeah, yeah, and that's just a bit. It's just a bit much, just at the minute, really. Yeah.
1: So come on then, uh, verdict. I mean, I'm I'm incredibly jealous. I have many many happy memories of being uh, in the back of a three hundred E hurtling around. The countryside of wales going into the southwest and stuff so i am a massive fan of these cars
0: yeah i know yeah
1: so verdict then so far Alan.
0: i love it really do i mean it's a car of a thousand little projects but that was one of the reasons i bought it Mm -hmm. because you don't know how long you're gonna have to spend at home at the minute (laughs) uh and and so there's lots of stuff like that if the weather would dry up a bit i'd actually get a bit more done i'm really pleased with it it's it's better than what i thought it was going to be i need to get the bodywork sorted because there's some rust that's there i mean there's nothing that's just a hole through the bodywork or anything but it does need sorted and and some panels need aligned and everything's a different color and all these kind of things i'd quite like to put a rotary polisher over it just to see how bad it really is Uh, but other than that i bought one which i knew was mechanically sorted which came with a two-day-old mot um, which was pretty much clear with like one advisory on it and stuff um so it is a mechanically sorted car it is absolutely lovely um and i'm very very pleased with it i'm glad i asked for first dibs i think chris is less glad i think he he actually regrets selling it a little bit but as a result i'm trying to be the bestest owner that it would possibly be yes no pressure no, I'm just trying to sort sort stuff out. I don't know whether or not I'll still have it this time next year. I, I don't know, but I want to have owned one mm-hmm. and I'm very much enjoying owning one. It's just number of vehicles really. And is it a bit silly to have so many and can I rationalize and, and stuff I might well come into it further down the line. There's other little bits of sort of personal experimentation come project, come proof of concept in the back of my mind as well. Okay. About it, but I I like it a lot. I am very very pleased with it. And if you're all a little bit jealous, then that's so much the better. One thing I'm not sure about is I I don't. If I'm fixing stuff, I don't. I'm not filming them or anything like that because it is. The idea is that it it's not a work thing.
2: Mm -hmm. I get that. That
0: sounds silly, but some people might think. I know that. No, the podcast does sometimes count as work, and very enjoyable work and stuff that I I would love doing. But sometimes at the weekends and stuff, I don't want to be prattling around trying to film stuff and it just makes everything take so much longer, it adds so much pressure. And working on it and footering with mechanical stuff is, is my way of relieving pressure. So I'm trying not to do that. But if people do want to know more, then do, then do ask. And if you want more updates or pictures and stuff, am happy to do that. Write it up every now and again but I'm trying not to do youtube type stuff. Or no, that's understandable. Here's how we fix. Uh, so just before anyone asked about that, just thought...
1: Well, I get it anyway if no one, one else does. It. I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That's just about it, I think. Anything okay. you feel I've missed?
1: Not really. Um... No,
0: I don't. I don't think I've left much time for missing things. I think the only
1: the only thing that's really missing, and it's not your fault, is me having a little sit in the passenger seat as you drive around.
0: Oh, you're welcome to that any time. You know that as soon as <laughs> as soon as we can, whenever as soon as it's allowed. Then yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Until then, though. Don't forget that between now and next time you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know more or would like to get in touch with you personally regarding possibly some updates in a manner that is actually possible for you without ruining the enjoyment, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: best way is always twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y uh we'll be back very soon until then i've been alan bradley i've been under clues and safe motoring